0: Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorce mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to The Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Hello, and welcome to Episode 11 of The Divorce Course Podcast. Hi, Mum. How are you going? I'm good. Thank you, Laura Rose. How are you? (laughs) Not too bad. Look, um, recently I've been helping some people deal with their affidavits and I've been asking you a million questions about affidavits. I don't even like the word Um, and I thought, you know what, let's let's explain this for other people who have to go through this whole affidavit process. So we're going to kind of touch on today, I'm going to pick your brains, I hate that saying, but I'm going to pick your brains on what is one? What the court uses it for? Why we might need one, and how we can prepare. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Is affidavit an English word? No.
1: Lucky you asked me that. I just looked it up because after <laughs> all these years, I didn't know. Um, it's medieval Latin, so it's a Roman word, Roman origin word, oh, and it just means it that. Torturous. It just means that someone says it on oath, so you're swearing the document. So there you okay, go. Okay, so
0: it's. M- medieval latin is the term for affidavit which means you're swearing it so do you want to give us a brief rundown of just to begin with what is an affidavit if someone put an affidavit in your hand could you give me a brief summary of what that is okay so an
1: affidavit is a, a document obviously it's a written document numbered paragraphs and it tells the person's story So they write what evidence they've got or what they want to say to the judge in that document and they can attach or annex um, the proof of of what they say to the back of the document. So so really um, it's your story that you're putting to the court and that's what the judge will use as your evidence-in-chief and then you will be cross-examined on it. So it's a pretty important document to get right.
0: So when you are in court, it's not like you get an opportunity to stand up to the judge and go, well, then he did this and then this happened and she did this and then I got this text message. You don't get that opportunity, do you? So this is your opportunity to tell your story. That's right. If you don't put it in the affidavit, then it's not
1: in evidence usually, and it can't be relied upon at trial by your by your barrister or solicitor. Okay, and stop.
0: So, yeah. so just explain. So, not in evidence and can't be relied upon. So, you're saying if it's not in your affidavit, you can't use it to argue in court. No,
1: that's right. You
0: can't say, oh, but he did this. No, that's yeah, later right. on. You can't. No. Right. Okay. So that's a bit scary. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. So. When would a court use one? When when are the times that people, our listeners, are going to need to do an affidavit?
1: In a nutshell, it's every time you're going to court asking a judge for something, you need to support your application with your story, with your affidavit, your sworn evidence. So that's one time you'd use it. If, if someone's taking you to court, they will have filed an affidavit with their application and then you get an opportunity to do an affidavit in response to that. It's basically whenever you want to tell the court something, it's got to be in a sworn document like an affidavit.
0: Are there times when people go to court without an affidavit? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes
1: in domestic violence matters, uh, the court may hear the evidence orally. It gives the judge an opportunity to see you in the witness box and see... (laughs) whether they believe you more or less, but nearly every time in the family court it's by affidavit evidence and you may only ever have to give a little bit of oral evidence if something new crops up and the court gives you leave.
0: Okay, so you've you've written a, your story, your details, everything that's there. Mm. You've passed it to the judge. The judge has read it. What will the judge do with it or what will the lawyers do with it while you're in court on that day? Okay, so your lawyer
1: will just say to the court, Your Honour, um, they, they'll usually put you in the witness box, ask you your name and address. Did you swear an affidavit on the 5th of June? And you normally say yes. And then they say, do you want to add or change anything in that affidavit? And the answer is usually no. And, the, and then your lawyer sits down. Then the cross-examining lawyer, like your ex-partner's lawyer, they up. Now, they use your affidavit to question you and challenge you about the truth of your affidavit
0: and then so, what? So, ba- so basically they try and poke holes in your side of it. the story?
1: Yes, yeah? that's right. So okay. you, might have, you might have said um, that, uh, I don't know, my ex-partner um, has an unregistered truck that he lets the kids drive on the weekend. Um, so there's a couple of serious allegations in there, he might have said, no, 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 it's registered and I don't let the 12-year-old drive, but only the 8-year-old or something like that. Um, His lawyer, you will have made that assertion. His lawyer will say that isn't true and then he will probably push you as to where you got that information and why you would believe that and, and try and make the judge think, oh, well, I can't accept that evidence, that's not she can't back it up. I'm taking that bit out in what I'm considering. Sounds okay. a bit complicated, but it's probably more the case if, if, you, if he said, I didn't drive an unregistered truck and didn't let the kids drive my unregistered truck, your lawyer would really challenge him in the witness box on that evidence. And the judge okay. has to make a, a decision. It, as a lot of cases, there's he said, she said. And the judge can only make a de- decision based on what they see in the witness box. So, they, you know. And read in your
0: affidavit. Okay. But, yeah. and he'll either,
1: the judge will either say, he or she will either say, I believe that he did have an unregistered car, uh, registered truck, mm. um, or I don't believe it, that the mother's got no evidence. I don't believe it.
0: What happens if they write something in their affidavit and in your response affidavit when you go to court, you don't mention anything at all? to respond mm. to that say so they say oh, okay. you wore a, a yellow colored dress to work that day um just as an example and you don't write in your affidavit well i didn't um does that just mean then that the judge just will believe that that you wore a yellow colored dress yes
1: that's that's right what did you, you you can if you challenge the things in the other affidavit each each paragraph that's Um, when you have a different view. But if you did wear a yellow dress or you don't care whether it was a yellow dress or what often happens, if it's irrelevant, um, it's not relevant to anything, why would you bother responding? And a lot of lawyers just say, look, you know, I've responded to those parts of the affidavit that are relevant, particularly on an interim hearing. You know, your affidavit on an interim hearing is only allowed to be five pages,
0: um, Okay. So you've got to really Ooh. hone it into relevance. So, so you mentioned relevance. So if you go and write an affidavit and you start talking about how annoying he was on the weekend and how much, um, he was mean to your best friend and when, when your affidavit's meant to be focusing on, uh, DV or is meant to be focusing on, um, children's matters, Is that then basically what you would call not relevant? And how do you know what's relevant what's not relevant to put in an affidavit? Well,
1: even lawyers argue over what's relevant and not relevant, what is not relevant. So people will, uh, your lawyer will usually guide you. It's pretty hard um, to know what not to put in, particularly if you're very close to it. You might find it incredibly important what he did with the Tupperware container lids, but actually they're not really (laughs) relevant. Uh, So... Mm. I would say the best guide, if you're doing your own affidavit or even a draft of one, is to go to the Family Law Act and have a look at the section that you're dealing with. So if you're dealing with property matters, it's section 79 of the Family Law Act. And I would use headings that match these sections of that act. If you're dealing with kids, it's section 60 of the Family Law Act. And again, I would use headings. I mean even in all my years, I still use headings because I think uh, it it helps the judge. It, it mm. might, might look a little bit clunky, but I know that if I was sitting up at, on the bench and I've got these exhausting um, arguments back and forth, I'm going to be looking for the evidence that's relevant to what I've got to decide on the day. And so you think about what the judge has to decide and you apply, you put your evidence in those sections and uh, it's sort of, they tell us as law students you need to put breadcrumbs to lead the judge to the answer you want. So, <laughs> so
0: it's breadcrumbs. <laughs> it's so breadcrumbs. So um, you're mentioning the Family Law Act and I know in our divorce course um, that we're doing that Yeah, people, uh, we will have like a little layout for them to follow. But for people that are just listening today, where could they find the Family Law Act? Do you just Google it or like where... Okay, so,
1: yes, um, Google the court, Google the Family Law Court or the Federal Circuit Court, and up the top there's all these resources, including the legislation. Um, An easier way of looking at it because that takes you, I think, straight to their legislation, but also in a thing called Austley. So just Google Family Law Act, and if you see Austley, A-U-S-T-L-I-I, that's a free resource for people to use. Perfect. I need to, I need to correct something Laura. Uh I, I made a mistake. Um it's 10 pages for an interim affidavit. And the annexes are not to be more than five, so it's not quite so desperate. But remember, um, the court specifies how big the font has to be, how much space there has to be between the lines. So you can't just format it Whoa. and crunch it up to fit into ten, oh, like when
0: you did school assignments and they said Absolutely. one page. So you'd make it eight font, so or big <laughs> font. Um, where do they? Where do? We, where do we find this information for font size, except mm, Is that it, on the court? It'll be on the court website. They have a lot of information
1: for doing things yourself. Okay. A lot of okay. information. I could tell you where it is probably in the
0: rules and regs. But why don't we put it in the links? Um, we'll do so that. if you are listening, we'll put it in the links uh, in the notes on this podcast. So if you scroll down while you're listening, you'll see notes and it'll we'll put it in there for you guys to have a look at. I think we might um, sorry, Laura, I think we could also put a link to the affidavits and
1: do-it-yourself kits that the
0: court's got. That Perfect, might help let's do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about that then. So how, so we're going, okay, you've been told you need to do an affidavit, either you're taking your partner to court or your part, ex-partner's taking you to court and you need to respond to their affidavit with your own. Um, you don't want to go and see a family lawyer. You want to do it on your own. Um, you go and look up the Family Law Act. You use the headings for each thing that you're doing. What else can, how, how like, how (laughs) if you're a lawyer just how mum how (laughs) it's so hard so the best thing to do is to just start
1: with the chronology Uh, chronology is just the dates in a row with what happened timeline timeline Timeline? start with your birth his birth Uh, date of cohabitation, date of marriage, whatever, birth each of the kids, and then you will start to get a flow. Oh, in this year we bought this house and in this year we did this and then these children were born, we separated on this date and then he did that and she did that. And once you've done that, then you've got, you at least will be able to do your affidavit in chronological order. Uh, Then you can flesh out each of those events with a paragraph or two about what happened on that day and then have a look at the Family Law Act, look at your sections and see what information fits in to that story. Another way of doing it uh, is to just write everything down, just do a word vomit on a page, write everything that happened and then send it to your lawyer to tidy up
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: because it, it, there are some, uh, even though the family court is uh, less strict than some courts as to, Uh, rules of evidence there are rules of evidence so things like you're not allowed to say in your affidavit about any negotiations you've had or any offers of settlement you're not allowed to put that in at all but I know some lawyers who don't know that so uh, and you're not
0: meant to talk about mediation at all or what you didn't agree to yet yeah. absolutely not allowed to
1: um please don't rubbish the other person too much just stick to the facts spill the beans but just the beans don't don't have shots at them um, the, you can imagine a judge reads hundreds of these affidavits every every week uh, they have to make decisions so you're you're really going to their office and saying can you make a decision on this material and if it's full of pot shots at the other person, Uh, You know, I've seen some classics.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Give us an example.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Someone put in an affidavit once. Uh, My ex-partner took the children uh, camping with his new girlfriend, but my son says they only came out of the tent for meals. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Okay, so... so, (laughs) <laughs> the lawyer should never put that in the affidavit. We're, we're there to say, "Hang on a minute, no, no."
0: no. So, really, what what a what a lawyer is is a filter, I think, and that's what I've noticed through my case and through my friends' cases. Because you're very passionate, and, and you you're upset, or you're angry, or you're stressed, and so you're wanting to tell your story, but from a from a passionate emotional point of view. Whereas once my affidavit and my friend's affidavits come out the other end of the lawyer office, they are factual and less emotional. And I guess, you, you know, you don't want the judge to think you're a jerk let's be honest, so, or or a jealous ex-wife or a angry man. Um, and if you, in a moment of passion, are doing this, and let's be honest, when you're writing an affidavit about something that you have to go to court to, it's obviously a big part of your life and a big moment. Um, you are going to be passionate about it. You're going to be angry about it or you're going to be scared or s- sad or and it's going to come through in what you write. So that, I mean... The lawyers are good to take that out, um, and I think if you can't get a lawyer, and if you can't get maybe get somebody else to take the emotion out for you, or, or put it away and think about it for a couple of days and calm down, <laughs> and then go back to writing it.
1: Well, one of my favourites um, that I see so often when people do their own affidavits is they use the word incredibly. He was incredibly angry. I was incredibly exhausted. The children were incredibly upset. Well, if you think about it, incredible means not able to be believed. It doesn't help the court at all. And it doesn't help the court to say he was drunk or she was overprotective. What you need to say is, I formed the view that mother was overprotective because she did these things. You know, she followed the children around the school grounds or she, you know, so just tell your story. Don't reach any conclusions for the court let them reach the conclusions
0: so basically you've got to try and make it factual and so and you know instead of um he he was drunk you could say he had had seven beers or 10 bottles of wine that would that make of, them assume
1: yeah 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 and and when he went to put the kids to bed he fell over next to their bed something like that is much more helpful to the court than you making a uh, an assertion about whether they were sober or not. You're right.
0: Now, what's important with the annexures is it does it put more weight on what you write if you've got evidence and you put that in the annexure? So if it's a text message, do, does it does it give the judge more belief in what you say as opposed to what they say if you've got proof?
1: Well, yes, it does. And it, and it also means that what is their side going to say if you've got the proof attached to your affidavit? That's a that's a gimme, as they say. They're going to have to concede that point. And the more often you're able to be proven true and they've been found to be lies, um, then when there are issues where there's no proof and it's just he says, she says, then the court is going to be, the judge has to believe someone, I suppose, um, they're going to be more inclined to believe the person who's proved truthful in the past by evidence. They, they So call, that's why it's. Oh, sorry. They call that preferring the evidence of one person or another.
0: So that's why it's highly important that you only tell the truth and you only tell things that you know 100% happened. So you've got to run through it and check, okay, make sure that you know that everything you are saying is the truth. And look, I'm a God, God-fearing woman um, and I, and we're going to talk about the swearing part and you might not be God-fearing, um, but you need to know that that's your reputation, that's your word on the line. Um, and if you tell a lie and you're caught out in an affidavit telling a lie, that does ruin your chances further down the track of the judge believing you for anything, right? It, it does. But also um, it's actually perjury. Have you heard of that expression?
1: i heard that in TV. <laughs> there you go. So so what, one of, sorry, tell us the, about it. It's one of the things that um, from, a, from American TV does come to Australia. So if you swear or affirm a document or, or say something um, in a sworn affidavit to the court and it's later proven that you knew that wasn't true, you can be charged with the criminal offence of perjury. So it's it's not just that your case might go down the gurgler as a result, but if you are honestly, if you are deliberately telling a lie and you say it under oath, then the court takes that very seriously
0: indeed because it depends on people telling the truth. Mm. What kind of, what, what what happens in a criminal court if you've caught with perjury? Well,
1: if it's proven, I don't know. The police charge you and that goes to a court that I never go to. <laughs>
0: oh lordy it's a whole new world it, it, a whole new it, it, podcast for that one it's criminal. not helping those people don't tell lies no number one no. never tell lies and it's not going to help you anyway you'll just get stuck in a spider's web of i and yeah i've seen some people do some stuff in their affidavits and and later on that's completely different and you go well you've just proven yourself that you were telling a fibbie in your last affidavit
1: it's hard though um i always am aware that people are talking about things often that happened years ago and they're seeing it through the lens of probably heartbreak or disappointment or anger with the other person you might put something in your affidavit that you honestly believe is true i see that a lot um, and then the other side sends you the document that proves your client was wrong and your client goes I could have sworn that was true. And I said, well, you did swear that was true. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we need to fix that up because perception over time, memory over time gets coloured. Uh, and so it's, it's the lawyer's job to reality check you a little bit and, um, and you is need there,
0: to is, change, change Yeah, affidavit. so you check your affidavit, check your diaries, double check. Is there a way if you do realise you've made an epic boo-boo to change it? Is there a way? There is. So one
1: way is to do an updated affidavit about that fact. If it comes to light like just at near trial that it's the wrong, that you've put something wrong in there, uh, that's when you're in the witness box and your lawyer says, did you swear an affidavit on the 4th of June? And you say, yes, is there anything you want to change? That's when you might say, oh yes, um, I realised I only had $32,000 in the bank, um, at the commencement of cohabitation. In my affidavit, I said I had 42, but I've since learned that wasn't correct. I was mistaken. So you can fix it that way.
0: So how do people swear affidavits? Do they stand there and, like, I always imagine when when I was a kid would swear an affidavit. I used to sit in your waiting room (laughs) after school and, I've just got to get someone to swear an affidavit, and I thought they were going in and and saying naughty words out (laughs) of his paper. So how do you swear an affidavit? Okay, so
1: you can swear an affidavit that's uh, used to be on a Bible, you don't need to hold a Bible anymore to do it. Um or you can affirm. But really the swearing oath is do you um swear that this is the contents of this affidavit are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to so help you God? And then you say yes and then you proceed to sign, or do you affirm that the this affidavit is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the
0: truth. do you can you just get it? Can you just get your bestie to do it with you, so you get them to hold a Bible, or your, the cafe owner downstairs, or only if your bestie or the cafe owner is a JP or a commissioner okay. of declarations.
1: So it has to be done in front of either a justice of the peace or a commissioner for declarations or a lawyer um, to just. Okay, you know, and that's because of and- the possible c- criminal consequences if you're lying.
0: And there are JPs, I've seen them before at shopping centres near libraries, you know, they say JP will be here every second Wednesday, so you can line up to do that if you have done your own. So.
1: Yes, and there's a register of justices of the peace. Uh, somewhere uh, it, you'll find a, um, each state uh, registers their own JPs and there you can look them up, find out if there's one in your area, contact them, see if you can go around and get it signed. They're not allowed to charge you for it. It's a public service that they do.
0: Well, that was the next question I was about to ask. How much, on average, if you did go to a lawyer, would an affidavit cost to uh, file and create?
1: Hmm. Giving you a lawyer answer, I'm sorry,
0: Laura, but (laughs) it depends
1: on how much work you've done before you get there. So, guys, if you want to keep your lawyer fees down, type it out yourself in a Word document, everything you think is relevant, And then give it to your lawyer who will take out the, as Laura says, the emotion, the irrelevant bits, the objectionable pieces and uh, put it into an affidavit. So the more you do, because lawyers charge by the hour. So if they've got nothing and they have to sit with you for four or five hours to get the information over a couple of days, then you're looking at uh, $3,000 for an affidavit. And you don't pay to file an affidavit. You pay to file the application that goes with it. Unless you've got an exemption like a healthcare card or uh, financially stressed.
0: So-, so, okay, covering that. So, the app, so obviously $3,000 is a lot. So, if you do your chronology and try and do your own affidavit in a Word document and then pass it on to your lawyer, if you've got one, then that can cut your costs considerably. Alternatively, legal aid is an option as well. Is that right? For some people, it is. For some people, yep. it's. It's not,
1: each state's different, but they are increasingly uh, harder to engage. I think they move their um, asset tests around. Uh, So I'm assuming in this case that you won't have a, a legal aid lawyer. So if you've got a private lawyer, or even if you haven't, if you've done your affidavit up and... I can't stress this enough, you really should get someone to look at it before you put it into the court um, because it can have the effect of really upsetting a judge or... You know, it's not focusing on the thing you need to focus. Uh, my old hmm. law lecturer used to say, "You can't just throw a handful of rice and hope to hit the side of the barn. You've got to focus on those areas that you've got to focus on. You've got to hit a bullseye on every point." And so, it's worth it. Ring up, ring around, see if someone will give you an hour's time. If you know, pay them five hundred, six hundred dollars to go through it and finalize it for you. So you've got a, the document that gives your best case to the court. I know that giving. Evidence by affidavit seems tricky, but it is much, much better than sitting in a witness box trying to give evidence yourself right from the beginning because you'll have someone saying, and what happened next? And what happened then? And it's really hard to know that you've covered all the bases with your evidence. So I'm a That's big fan true. of the affidavit.
0: Okay, and so you said also with the filing, it's the filing that costs, not the affidavit. So how much does it cost to file an application?
1: Well... Uh, Okay, we'll look into that. (laughs) I'm not going to say it now because um, if you don't mind, not not that I have have a rough idea off the top of my head, but it changes all the time. So we'll put the link in if you don't mind, Laura. We'll put the link straight Mm. to the court because I don't, even on my website, I never say the... Price, I say check the right. latest costs here, um, because okay. it depends if it's a, if it includes an interim and a final application. Uh, okay. but all things have different prices.
0: So, and the other thing I wanted to ask was if if you had, and I'm really putting you on the spot now, if you had one word of advice to someone who is just about to embark on writing an affidavit, let's focus, say, on uh, property. Yep. Yeah. Uh, or children Mm -hmm. um what's your what's the one thing you're always telling your clients with affidavits in regards to that to help them sorry for putting you on the spot the one thing I tell them is put everything in um
1: as your lawyer I can take it out if it's not relevant but if I don't know about it if you've never told me about it you can't rely on it and if you later on raise it perhaps while you're in the witness box, you've got no credibility. This is your one chance. So, you know, get it all in.
0: So your affidavit's more important in a way for you than actual court day because by the time you're at court, it's too late for you to add any more work or any more information to the story. So the affidavit in a way is more important than court for for
1: preparation. It's more important than your application. It's probably more important than your financial statement, which you can—it's just numbers after all. Anyone can do that. The affidavit sets the whole flavor of your case, and your you could, your success depends on the caliber of your affidavit.
0: Well, that's scary.
1: It is scary. <laughs> it is scary. That's why I say, I, like everyone, please, if you're writing your own affidavit, follow the legislation. Make sure you cover everything, like it contrib- like section seventy nine, section seventy uh, nine four talks about a your financial contributions at the commencement of living together. Then b is your financial and non financial contributions during. So so you divide that up to each little heading. My financial contributions at cohabitation. My Financial contributions during the marriage, my non-financial contributions, just just cover it all, and then we can take it out. But if you don't have that in, that's your evidence. The judge can only use evidence, so if it's not in there, it didn't happen.
0: So a really good idea is maybe it's not something. An affidavit isn't something you can do in a day, really. What I'm getting, I think, I think it takes a little while, and then. You really have to sit down and go through it in your head and go, okay, what have I forgotten? What have I left out? Maybe have a chat with a mate who's been through it with you and say, hey, do you, you know, is there something I've forgotten to mention? Um, check through your diaries. And then, of course, put it aside once you've finished it and take out some of that emotion with, with a lawyer, of course, or by yourself if you're doing it on your own.
1: One really good way not to forget anything is to start with that chronology. And I say God bless smartphones because we have um, messenger, we've got, you know, ch- uh, emails and texts and photos and so it's a lot oh, easier you. than it used to be. Hmm?
0: I'll tell you what, it's um I've had a friend who, you know, was asked what were you doing on the twentieth of October 2018? And to, to be honest, I couldn't like I myself could not remember what I did 20th of October twenty nineteen, let alone twenty eighteen. Um, but luckily she had her phone and she could literally scroll through the photos um to find that yes, yeah, she she had been with the children that night because there's a photo of her with the children, you know. So finally, like that um you can search in your photos for dates So you can look at your photos by dates and that can help you with chronology. Um, you can obviously search words in text messages. You can also search your photos for a thing. So you can type, you can go, Oh, I remember there was an incident with a a water bottle, but I don't remember the day or the time. You can actually go into your photos and type in search water bottle. And the phone will bring up every photo you've ever had of a water bottle. Um, and then you can find it through that way. So that has helped a few of my friends write their affidavits and get, you know, the timing right and little reminders. But look, it doesn't sound like it's, um, the best fun thing to do in the world. Um, if someone is engaging in this and doing this and, and, you know, I've, I've done some affidavits and you've done a bazillion mother in your job. Um, what do you notice about people after they've done them? Are they relieved? Are they exhausted? Are they want to jump up and down?
1: Probably both of those things and all of those things. It's the hardest thing. Um, I mean, it's exhausting raking over old coals of a relationship. <clears throat> and, sorry, and what you were talking about with how um, you go through your messages and go through your photos, well, that can take days. And it'll probably bring tears, and you know, it'll be somewhere at time on your own. Usually, when you haven't got the kids, people do that. Um,
0: but it's worth That's it. That's a good idea. Yeah, so, but yeah. It's try worth and it. do it when you don't have your kids. Oh, yet. yeah. And, yeah. It, and it and and you know, um, as we've talked about the different types of um, divorces, the avoidant. If you are an avoidant person yourself, or if your ex is avoidant, the last thing they want to do is delve back into that whole situation relationship so they're going to avoid it like the plague and if you are an avoidant person you need to acknowledge that you're avoidant and you need to maybe set a timer and just I'm just going to do this for 30 minutes every day until it's done might take you two months but if that's all you can deal with then try that um what we had a high conflict if you've got a high conflict divorce mum, what have you noticed with affidavits in regards to high conflict anything
1: Uh, Yes, well, for a start, they're often full of emotion from both sides. uh, So that needs to be sanitised out of the thing. Also, there's (laughs) just some people who just can't agree what day of the week it is, you know, so um, it's up to you or your lawyer, but you if you do to try to put the lid on that. Remember, if you're talking about children, it's a positive inquiry for the court, the judge is looking at your competing scenarios for the children. So you slamming the other person or having a go at what they give them for tea or them having a go, it's just going to upset the judge and, and demonstrate um, that there's uh, a not not much of a child focus going on there. And when it's mm. property, really it's terrible to say, but it's really just a maths calculation. It's mm. really just that. So it doesn't matter if he broke your mother's crystal vase uh, it just doesn't matter if he blew, you know, seven or $8,000 on a motorbike. It doesn't matter. Um, the reality is what are the assets? This is looking back at your Section 79. What is the property pool? Who contributed what? And what have you done during the relationship? What's happened to these things since the relationship? And the judge is basically, I'm not saying they're sitting there with a calculator on their lap, but it really is, oh, okay, 5% adjustment for this, 10% adjustment for that, and then they just do a sum work it out Mm. it's no good putting the more conflictual you are if you if you keep having to debate every single point the other side says or if you put little barbs in there that you know is going to upset the other side well of course they're going to respond so you just it costs more it costs more and it's a bigger pain in the bum for the judge and you don't want to make a judge upset
0: So, basically, if it's high conflict, pick your battles. Just let something – if it's not important, let it go and just go, fine, I don't care. Um, With controlling and manipulative, um, with writing an affidavit, do you find maybe some of your clients, when they're writing their response affidavits or their affidavits in general, maybe sometimes too afraid to say things that they should say? Do you find – when they've got a controlling or manipulative X that sometimes you have to kind of draw out that information? Or what do you find in that situation?
1: I find that people coming out of a relationship with a controlling or manipulative person um, change over time. As the years or as the months go by, they begin to become more and more confident. But at the very early stages, people out of a controlling relationship are very nervous about poking the bear um, and mm. they... They also tend to tell you, as, as their lawyer, they tend to tell me that they're happy with certain things uh, when it's they're entitled to more, but over time those people will find their voice and so it's just a question of encouraging them. But like we said, Laura, that is your evidence. If you don't put it in your affidavit, it's not going to happen. And particularly if you don't put it in in your early material and then you put it in in your later affidavit, then any barrister worth assault's going to be saying, so why didn't you say that way back in 2020, you know, or mm. 20, mm. Why, why do you only raise that now, you know. So, yeah, it's important.
0: So people to- that are coming out of those relationships that they really need to um, maybe it's a good idea to have a friend with you who's like, usually someone in a controlling and manipulative relationship once they've got out they've got that one friend who's been saying get out of there get out of there this is not good for you and maybe they've been trying to help you do it for five years and they know all the things maybe you need to sit with them the ones that have got their backbone already and you're just slowly getting back to being able to stand up to them I think it's good to have someone there that can support you and remember all those things and and kind of encourage you to stand up for yourself and I think in an affidavit in a when you are writing one and you come out of a controlling and a manipulative relationship i i've seen friends who there really are it's their chance to stand up to these people it's their opportunity to have their say and go you know what these things and these things and these things and and you would probably have never heard them ever say it to the person's face but this you can say it in an affidavit and you know, it's safe.
1: Yep. You speak your truth uh, and it yeah. sometimes takes a while for people from abusive relationships to find their voice. Um, but thank God for that one friend or that one sister mm. or that one whoever who's the person that rea- reality, oh, yes, <laughs> who can <be laughs> reality check you and and keep you in focus, on focus. So yeah. Yes.
0: yeah. All don't right. Well, look, that. we've hit, don't be afraid, that's right, and we've hit, the time. Uh, We're way over time again. Um, So, I look, I think it was important. Affidavits sound boring, uh, also sound torturous, um, but I think it was important to touch on that because when we go to family court, it's pretty much everyone does one. So, um, good luck to all those people out there that are doing them and I hope this has helped you a little bit or explained things because I find that lawyers tend to think just everyone knows what they are and what they're for and we really don't. (laughs) It's true. It's true because... Who else
1: uses the word affidavit? Uh, Who else uses a medieval Latin word in their day-to-day speech? Hey, Laura, thank goodness I've got Mm -hmm. you to tell me, no, Mum, it's not common language.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. The family law courts will catch up one day. All right, um, thanks, everybody, for listening and um, good luck with your affidavits and thanks, Mum, for giving us all your wonderful knowledge.
1: You're welcome. Goodbye, everyone, and use the links. Okay, bye, guys.